Welcome to the Impact Church podcast. We are a community that doesn't pretend to have all the answers, but aims to have all the hope that you could ever need. We pray that this message is helpful and encourages you no matter what season of life you're in. Enjoy this week's message. There you have it. Very cool. You know, I met Regan, uh, man, I don't know, like uh, maybe two years ago on the other end of kind of him going through a lot in his personal life and to see his life transform is an amazing thing and um, it's just cool to see his story now. And uh, again, if you haven't met Stephen before, Stephen um, only came to Jesus a number of years ago at uh, the youth ministry at Suncoast Church. And so when I heard that the youth ministry here started up, I think it's been gone for two Friday nights now, met, hung with Charles last night, who's running it. Do you guys have like the Charles Pick a Path videos last, last series, right? He is now a celebrity on the Sunshine Coast. Like everyone, everyone wants to meet Charles. Uh, they found out he was single and all the girls like, we want to meet Charles, you know. Um, but so it's so cool like that we're starting now a youth ministry here at Canberra because you never know who walks in those doors. And again, Stephen walked into the doors of youth ministry Suncoast probably six years ago now, maybe eight, eight years ago. Oh, man, it felt like yesterday. And, um, and now he's a pastor and following Jesus and doing amazing things and um. And so I just, I just want to appreciate this community for, it's amazing when I talk to a lot of friends who are involved in different churches and ministries uh, around, the, around the country, let alone the world. And over the past two years, um, to be honest with you, a lot of churches and ministries uh, talk about shutting things down and going backwards and having you know, people not rocking up. But you guys have been doing the opposite You've been starting initiatives. You've been finding new ways of reaching people in the community. And I know Caleb, obviously, and Eleanor aren't here. Um, love you guys. I know you're listening. Um, and they got COVID, the poor kids at the moment. So please be praying for your pastors. Um, but, you know, seeing all the initiatives that they've been trying to get off the ground, obviously the youth ministry is one. Hearing about uh, with Sue, the, the, the mother's group, that's going to be an amazing thing. Just started last week in the Sunshine Coast. You're going to love Day. She's awesome. I'm um, thinking about the just in this region here around Monash and Tuggerdong of of young mums who um, might not have any community and just alone with their kids and a chance to connect them with them. Um, all the initiatives are happening through Red Frogs now. Caleb told me this week that um, Adfer has just opened their doors to frogs, which is amazing. Apparently the reputation there isn't super cool. Like they might need a little bit of loving there. And um, all the different initiatives in the universities uh, and now Sunday sessions, which Stephen was down for two weeks ago. So I get to speak of that tonight. What's happening in Braddon. Like what you're a part of is massive and it's growing. And so I, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you um, for being faithful over the past two years. You know, I was just, just during the worship set, but by the way, you guys were amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm just thinking like, um, we, you know, we first came down here to Canberra mid 2020 and I don't think I've ever been to Canberra without a mask yet. And this has been our whole introduction. And again, in this just weird kind of upheaval time to see a local church here caring about the mission of Jesus Christ and wanting to reach uh, local people with the gospel is an amazing thing. So thank you for the part you play. What I want to do today, and if I haven't met, by the way, if I haven't met you, I'm Jonathan. Um, from um, live on the Sunshine Coast, and we're partnered two churches together, one on Sunshine Coast, one here in Canberra. So next time you're on the Sunshine Coast, we will roll out the red carpet for you. And those of you who have visited, you know we do just that. In fact, when were you guys last there? At Christmas two years ago. It was no way. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Time flies. Come, the borders are open. You know, anyway, come on up. Um, so um, what I want to share with today and as, we, as um, Stephen mentioned earlier, what we wanted to do is take a moment today to, um, to talk about, I guess, um, some of our mission and vision at the church going forward into the future and looking at how being followers of Jesus and what Jesus invites us into 
essentially like, um, you know, puts this mandate and mission around us as, as the church, which is why this series has been called In Good Company, looking at the idea of why the church and not just our church, but why the church and God's heart behind it. And I grew up in church. I was, I was a pastor's kid myself. And if you've ever met pastor's kids in the 90s and 80s, they've all got interesting stories. So somehow I survived and lasted. Um, but when I started growing up in ministry, my first role was um, I got asked to start like a, a ministry for junior high kind of age kid, middle school, like kind of uh, 12, 13 and 14 year olds and nothing existed. And I was like, well, how do I do that? And my pastor was like, I don't know, figure it out. And I was like, uh, okay. So I found a little room and that could fit like a handful of kids in it and like eight kids rocked up and I was like, all right, these are the kids I guess I get to like do ministry with and love and teach about Jesus and teach the Bible to. And so it began there and over the course of 18 months, I don't know what horrible crime those kids committed that they had to hear me learn to preach for those 18 months, but that's what God gave them. I don't know if any of them are still following Jesus to this day, but um, they are. Some of them are anyways. Um, but over the space of about uh, 18 months, it grew to 100 kids and they booted us out of the little meeting hall we're in and, and it just kept growing. And so I started growing as a, as what it meant to like not just be a Jesus follower, but what does it mean to kind of build a community of all ages and and, and connecting with different generations. And so I grew up in a church that had all ages in it, right? Like this. And people with different church backgrounds and different ideas of what church community should look like, let alone a church service, what it should look like. And as you can imagine, eventually it brought me into sharp dispute with my dad. Because my dad had this idea of what church communities were, and which was all healthy and great. He knew what he was doing. And then, you know, me being the young upstart came through like, Dad, we're going to change this. We're going to make everything different and like make things cooler and like all these ideas. And so as you can imagine, my dad and I had many of a dispute. I'm using that. It's a nice word. I could use other words. But we started wrestling. And it dawned on me, I've got, my dad's my hero. We've got a beautiful relationship. He's... Obviously, I took on over the church, my wife and I, from him and mom, and they sit like second row, third row behind us every Sunday. They're the most encouraging people. They believe in the ministries we're doing. They run connect groups. Um, they run our weekly prayer meeting. Like, they're still really involved, just beautiful, humble people. And But Dad and I have talked a lot about the different wrestle we have just with different generations. I'm sure it's like in any industry. I don't know if any of you are cricket purists here, any cricket fans? Okay. Oh, yeah, right. So, I don't know. Did you get offended when 2020 started? Like the Big Bash League? You didn't? Okay, so good. I, I, like, I prefer a test. You prefer a test. Okay, so purists, purists prefer test matches, right? It's how... Come on, Ian. Okay, you, you get it, right? You weren't supposed to mention that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this idea... Of, and then, But then one day it started because they're like, well, who has time to sit down for a week and watch... Would love to have that kind of time, right? Sue, re- retired now. You can watch, you can watch test matches. Yeah, Ian, you can watch test matches. Cheryl, will send him out. Just go watch the cricket, you know? Uh, and then one day it started. Everyone was upset until they're like, oh, actually watching the game in one day. And then people had the idea. What if we just did it like in an afternoon and night? And here's the point. A lot of people are like, oh, this is like, you know, it's making a mockery of this beautiful game. But the people that were responsible for it were like, well, if we don't change with the time, there won't be a game left. And so they're like, we have, to, we have to change it up if we care there being a cricket. And now look at the stadiums, they're filled again and young people are into it and the beauty of it's going, even seeing the, the women's Big Bash League taking off. Like it's super cool. Now, why am I talking about cricket? I think it's painting a picture of like things change as the world changes, it's evolved in cultures and communities. If cricket, the Cricket Board Australia was courageous enough to go, how do we connect with the new generation? We might have to change a little bit of how this operates without losing the essence of what the game is. 
And again, it's weird comparable, you know, how do you compare church to cricket? But the idea of that, the world changes, generations change, communication changes. I think there's a wrestle that every generation has to have throughout all of history of like, how do we hang on to the things that are timeless? The message, the ministry, the mission, but be willing and courageous and brave enough to wrestle with things that should only be timely, like your methods. And that's what I guess what we're looking at here. And so my dad and I wrestled around these things. And now I've got Stephen and his generation nipping at my heels saying, Jono, you're, just, you're so boring and outdated. I'm like, come on, man. I've been in this for like two minutes. Um, but when I look back into scripture, I realize this wrestle here from generation to generation about how do we best engage the world around us with this timeless message of hope and grace and mercy and eternity and that Jesus brought um, to a new generation. And so what I want to look at is just one passage in our New Testament. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, our Bibles are kind of split into two halves. You've got your Old Testament, which we, the Christians call that, which is like you, the Jew, what the Jews refer to as their Bible or their scriptures. And kind of with the Christian church, we took it on, labeled it as the Old Testament up until the life of Jesus. And then from Jesus onwards is our New Testament. And one of the books in the New Testament was written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, It's called Acts, and essentially documented a whole lot of the first few decades after the resurrection of Jesus, um, of how the church took off and grew. And to give you a backstory of the story we're going to read today in Acts 15, um, again, it kind of grew, the church started in Jerusalem, and then it grew out to Samaria and Judea, and and then around Africa and Asia Minor and into Europe and all over the place. So there started becoming hundreds and then thousands and then millions of Christians. And so as you can imagine with the different language and customs and cultures, people had to wrestle with well, what did this mean? They didn't have a New Testament yet. They didn't have a Bible like we would now to, to quote from chapter and verse. They were still writing it. And so as you can imagine, there were a lot of conversations. There were a lot of debates. There were a lot of like, how did this work? And a lot of the early Christians, majority of them when it started, were from a Jewish background. So they had their Jewish customs and Jewish teachings and Jewish laws and Jesus was Jewish. And so this whole idea of what does it mean now? And what is this new expression of following Jesus where there's no longer a requirement for a temple? You know, Jesus said it's complete. It is finished. It's now there's one ultimate sacrifice that was accomplished through the death of Jesus Christ and the atonement for all mankind's sins. So what does this now mean? Like, and now, you know, we were taught that we're now the temple, that the Holy Spirit doesn't abide in buildings, but he abides in us. Like, how do we work all this out? So as you can imagine, there's a lot of conversation. We're going to just follow this and see what we can learn today. This is Acts chapter 15. Um, It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch. Antioch was kind of in Asia Minor, a different region outside of Israel. And they were teaching the believers that unless you were circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Or in other words, you can't be right with God. Now, some of you will be familiar with this background. This was a Jewish custom whereby an operation on males, it was a sign of the covenant people had with God. But now this wasn't just a covenant with one nation of people. This was for everyone. And so Gentiles were getting in who didn't come from customs where surgery was required, right? And so they're stoked because they're following Jesus and their lives have been transformed. And all of a sudden, these certain people that were called Judaizers came down and said, for you to be a follower of Jesus, you needed surgery as well. Now, just like you're thinking, all the men at that point in the crowd went, we're going out into the car park and uh, that's where we'll stay forever. You know, as you can imagine, it's not people like, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Like you told me about like following Jesus. And then next minute you're like saying, and we're going to the local doctors here. So as you can imagine, a bit tense. Story continues. So so this brought Paul and Barnabas, the two of the church leaders, into sharp dispute and debate with these teachers. So Paul and Barnabas, because they were saying, no, you don't like. 
you don't need an operation to follow Jesus. That's like a custom, a Jewish custom. This is now a message for all people from all right, walks of life, all traditions, right? Some of you thinking, thank goodness for that. You know, why, why do I get into this morning? But so Paul and Barnabas were like, yeah, no, these guys are wrong. And so along with some of the other believers, they went up to Jerusalem, which is where all the elders and the leaders of the, the church were based, to see the apostles and the elders about this question. Okay, because remember, there was no a the Bible like we know it now. There was still writing the New Testament documents. They weren't all collated in a nice leather-bound book like we would have today, right? They were still writing it. So these were some big questions. And as a lot of Gentiles started coming to the faith, you had people hardcore from a Jewish background going, oh, you need to be like Jews as well. Could you worship in the same God? Like, how does this work? It wasn't yet written. So these were discussions. I mean, think about those. Imagine being in those meetings. Like where there was no chapter and verse to point to. They just had the life and teaching of Jesus. And that was it. It was orally passed on by those who were present and witnessed Jesus' life. So this is what was happening. So Paul and Barnabas head off to Jerusalem to meet with all the church leaders. Then you had all those who witnessed the life of Jesus. You had like Peter who was there. You had... um, uh, you would have had you had James, the half brother of Jesus, was there. Like all the big dogs were in town in Jerusalem. So Paul and Barnabas rock up and went to share the stories of everything that happened. So the story continued, verse seven. So they're all discussing, everyone's sharing the different opinions and views. People of the Pharisee sect who become Jesus followers are like, yeah, people do need to like get circumcised and keep all the teachings of the Torah of the Jewish scriptures. After much discussion, much discussion, Peter got up, and again, Peter was one of the the church fathers. He got up and addressed him, saying, Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, right, might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Now, if you remember this story in about in a few verses early in Acts 10, Peter goes, gets invited to a, a Roman soldier's house named Cornelius. And Peter's like, we don't even break bread with people who aren't Jews and you want me to come to your house? And so he just starts telling them about Jesus going, why do these non-Jews want to hear about this? And then in the middle of that meeting, the Holy Spirit filled every single life and they'll transform And Peter's like, oh, didn't see that coming. Even though Jesus said, you know, God loved the whole world that he gave his only son. So it's like Jesus gave all these introductions, but it took him about 20 years for them to finally get out and do something about it, literally. And so Peter's like, well, I guess if these guys are filled with the Holy Spirit as well, then we should probably baptize them. So they baptize them. This is what Peter's sharing here. Remember that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Next slide. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them. Who's them? The Gentiles, those who didn't have the custom of Moses of circumcision, right? He accepted them by giving them the Holy, the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. Let's keep going. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Amen. So it wasn't keeping a custom. It wasn't keeping a tradition. It wasn't <laughs> abiding by a surgical operation. God purified their hearts by what's this word? Faith. Faith. It's just the same as us, right? That's what, this, is what Peter, this is Peter, right? He walked with Jesus, who saw him crucified, who saw him resurrected, saying this is what God's doing in the world. And it goes on. Now then, this is the question Peter pitched to the whole crowd. Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles, again, the non-Jews, a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Now, this imagery of yoke, a yoke meant, and uh, for, in Jewish teaching, a te- it meant teaching. Right? So every rabbi had a yoke or a teaching. And so when, if you followed a certain rabbi's teaching, you took on their yoke. And it's also an imagery of like, 
uh, kind of beasts of burden that were responsible for plowing a field that would have a yoke on them. So this is the image he's saying. It's like you're putting on the next this yoke, this teaching, this expectation that we have not even been able to keep. Now remember, like the Jews had like over 600 religious laws to keep. He's like, we can't keep them. And you're expecting all these people aren't Jews to keep them as well. Are you guys crazy? He goes, why are you testing God? But not even we or our ancestors have been able to bear this. So again, everyone in the room is there going, yeah, he makes it a a good point, actually, right? Goes on. So when Peter finished, right, everyone had discussed, everyone had talked. James, now James was the half-brother of Jesus. Now, if you're not familiar with James, James is one of my favourite like church fathers from the original because um, we know before Jesus was resurrected, he didn't believe in Jesus. And can you blame him? Like if your brother, okay, if, you just, if you've got an older brother, think about it. Like I think it's your brother, okay? If he came and told you that he was the son of God, what would you do? Exactly. You're like, yeah, sure you are. Right? So literally it says in the Gospels that they didn't believe Jesus, right? And why, you know, can you blame them? But then, but then after his resurrection, it's like, oh, wow. Okay, then maybe he is, you know? It's hard to argue with the guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. You know, so he's like, I guess you are the son of God. Um, and then if you read James's epistle in the New Testament, it's the one that isn't lovey and dovey and soft and gentle. Like every, every letter in the New Testament starts with like a dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know, grace and peace to you. James starts, dear everyone, hello. That's it. Like it just gets straight into it. Starts talking about trials. You know, if you go through trials, get over it. You know, like I call him the reluctant Jesus follower because it's his brother. Anyway, so, but James, as you can imagine, it's, it's actually great proof of the resurrection. Like how else would you convince your own brother to believe in you? Anyway, so, so James, so after everyone debated, they waited for James. James then spoke up. Okay. They're like, oh, whoa, James is speaking. And James begins to give his his understanding of what took place here, right? And, and bringing together all the ideas of what Paul and Barnabas had seen and taught Gentiles coming to faith, Peter speaking to Gentiles, them coming to faith. No, like, there was no, like, books written. There was no chapter and verse of the New Testament written where people knew how to... Like, there was none of that. All there was was Jesus. And they were preaching the message of Christ and people's lives were turning around. They were coming to faith in God. Through, it was faith, right? God was purifying their hearts by faith. So after hearing all this, James gives a conclusion of all this, and then he lands this whole debate and discussion by giving one suggestion. And this is what I wanted to land on today. He said, it's my judgment. This is James. After hearing all the debate and discussion with the Pharisees and Paul and Barnabas and Peter and the rest of them, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. You catch that, right? As if to say, listen... Out of all the things we do, you know, we've got meetings and events and missions and all the stuff that happened. And even today, all the things we heard, like everything we're doing, the business, the activities, he's like, whatever we're doing, can we just not get in the way of people connecting with the Heavenly Father? Can we make sure our church staff doesn't put up walls between people and wanting to know God? And come, let's be real for a moment. Like, wouldn't you agree? Maybe this has been your story that, that even if people don't know how to put words to it, there's often this kind of, I don't know, internal tension of people recognize there's, there's, a, there's a God hole in their hearts. And that's why curious people, maybe it's how you first came to church. You were just curious. Maybe if you, I know for Stephen, he heard there was hot girls at church. He's like, well, I'm going to church. Like, boom, met Ashley there. And that was right. Like, the more you love Jesus, the quicker you get married. You know, that's Stephen's story. But, um, I don't, whatever it is, there's, there's often this deep you know, longing for people. And so James is saying, listen, the people are turning to God. 
People are hungry to know God. Now, the reason I bring this up, and the reason we're doing this whole series about in good company, about church, you probably have had this experience yourself. Maybe you know someone, or, 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 you know, a friend, maybe a spouse or a child. And when you talk to them about matters of faith or God, often people's hesitancy isn't Jesus. You rarely find someone who has an issue with Jesus. Their issue is usually they had an experience with a Christian and turned them off. Or maybe they had an experience with the church community and they felt judgment or condemnation or they felt ostracized. They felt like an outsider. And it's like, well, why would I? And so people, people find it hard. It's become difficult for them. They have to kind of know how to fit in to the, like, like this weird subculture of Christians. James is saying, can we just not? Let's just not make it difficult. We want people to turn to God. That's a picture of repentance, right? Why do we make it so hard? Why do we make people have to sign up to our behavioral things? Why do we make people have to sign up to how we do a Sunday service? Why do we make people sign up to have to do this? Because let's just stop it. Can we, whatever we do, like let's invert this. Can we make it easy for people? Like, in fact, why do we help create on ramps? Like, shouldn't we help? Like, shouldn't we help make the gospel of Jesus Christ accessible to people instead of like keeping it to ourselves like it's some exclusive little club we've got? Now, this is, this is the debate they had at the beginning. How much more should we be wrestling with this now? So, so I share that. I give that backstory to share the, next, the remaining minutes I have with you. I want to share what that means for you, what that means for us as a church community, my heart for our future, because we have a great future. And again, I wish Caleb and Eleanor were here today to be present at this. But man, I am just so blessed by their heart and commitment to the city, to you guys. And man, we are just super excited about um, where things are heading and the future God has for us here. Like I know in the years to come, we're going to talk about these days. Now, can you remember when there was this like, we became like two churches, became one through the pandemic and we started a Sunday night thing. We started some women's meeting thing and a young mum thing and some youth group thing. Like we just, we, didn't, we just gave things a shot. And then 10 years from now, we're going to be like looking at the goodness and faithfulness of God and all the people we've been able to help, all the uni students we've been able to help, all the homeless people we've been able to help and go, thank God that we, we made this decision to not make it difficult because life is difficult enough for people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's make the gospel accessible. Let's help bring this message of hope to humanity. And so, so a number of years ago, when Chloe and I first got asked to be pastors of Suncoast Church, we talked about, you know, what type of church do we see ourselves leading and running? Like, because again, we came from traditions and so Chloe came from a Church of England background. I came from like a hyper Pentecostal background and like we somehow met in the middle. And we're like, well, what, is it, what is important then? Like if we're ever entrusted with leading a church, what does that church look like? And what, the one thing we could not get by, the one thing that it must be about more than anything else, when people talk about a church that we pastor, more than what the Sunday services are about, more than what the different age group ministries are about, more than the outreaches, all the things that when people talk about our church, that they would talk about Jesus, not about the church. Yeah. So that became our heartbeat, Jesus in everything. And so for us, this is our, this is our true north. This is our guiding principle. Everything else is up for discussion. What isn't is that this is about Jesus and everything, which meant for us, we wanted to take Jesus out of just a Sunday service. It should be in everything. Jesus didn't die on a cross for us to spend an hour in a building on a Sunday. Jesus died on a cross so we could know eternal life. And that term eternal life didn't just refer to life after death. It referred to life before death as well, right? So whatever activities and meeting and servants, services and commitments, it all must lead to one direction. Everything else is sideways energy. The Apostle, talked, Apostle Paul talked about the idea of the offense of the cross, right? The offense of the cross. Here's the thing. 
We don't want people to be offended by our church and they never get the chance to be offended by the cross. I want people to be able to wrestle with the message of Jesus, not with the events of church. So, when, so often we can be like, well, church should look like this and that. And I go, well, that, those are the discussions we've been having for 2,000 years. The one thing that should not be up for debate is that more than anything else, we are known because of the message of Jesus Christ. One of my mentors said to me recently, if people hate you because of Jesus, that's to be expected. Like Jesus promised that. But if people hate Jesus because of you, then we have a problem. And so as a church, may we always be known for having a heartbeat that is about the hope and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Which ultimately leads us to then our vision. And I define our vision by what we're believing to see, right? It's a faith thing. It's, what, it's about sight. It's what we believe to see. So our vision is this, to be a church, Impact Church, that loves like Jesus. Imagine a church that was known for that. So when people talk about impact, they're not referring to the impact center. They're not referring to our Sunday services. As much as all our events and things are part of it. When they talk about impact people, they go, they are the people who love like no one else because they love like Jesus. Can you imagine if that was our reputation? Which leads then to the next part of our vision, to build a church that the unchurched love. Now this could often be misunderstood and I love the opportunity to kind of break this down a little bit, but... We've seen this happen a lot on the Sunshine Coast and it's my heart that we see this more and more happen in Canberra is we have this, we have this chat off you know, regularly, particularly with people in our community where people come and be like, look, we think what you guys believe is very weird, but we love you. And we are grateful that your church is in our community. We might think like some of the religious stuff you believe is a bit odd and a bit wacko and let's be real. It is, you know. Um, he goes, but you are the best people in the city. Our city is better off because you're in it. Like, I don't believe what you believe, but I want my daughters to marry the young men who go to your church because they are the most finest young men in the city. I don't believe what you believe, but I want to employ the people who go to your church because you are the best people in the city. You see what I mean? So people in our city might not always understand and believe what we believe, but they should love the fact that Impact Church exists in the city of Canberra. Amen. Good preaching. So that's our vision. And again, why, why to be a church that loves like Jesus? Well, because that's Jesus' one, one command he gave. You know, Jesus only introduced one new command, only one. He summarized all the others, but he only introduced one. And again, they didn't need any new commands. They already had 660 of them. What was Jesus doing introducing a new one? Because there was one command to rule them all. He says that you would love one another as I have loved you. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're a Jesus follower. Not by how well you sing, not by how well you're spiritually gifted, not by the great ministries you run. He said, people will know that you're a Jesus follower. You will, be, you will stand out as a Jesus follower by the way that you love people. And how are you to love them? By how Jesus has loved you. So that's our vision, which ultimately leads into our mission. So if our vision is what we're believing to see, our mission is what we're committed to doing. And here's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is why then we do what we do. We ask the question, how are these different environments that we create? Is this actually helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ? So I want you to consider this for a moment. That's why, that's why our heart and prayer that always at Impact Church, you will have people in all spheres of their faith journeys. 
if you picture it like this for a moment, use your imagination just for a moment, okay? Let's say, let's say your faith journey, your, your, where you are in life when it comes to your belief with God, let's say it's a spectrum from like zero to 10. And so you might be somewhere, you might be one, you might be five. Some of you might think you're like 11, you know, like Stephen. Um, he wishes. Um, but then others, but, but then as well, there's like minus 10. And so sometimes when people arrive in a Christian community, they literally might be at minus 10, not know nothing. And so what does a growing relationship with Jesus Christ look like for them? It means they get from a minus 10 to a minus 9. Is that moving closer? Right. So the idea would be if you're a 4 here, that getting involved in the life of church would help you go from a 4 to a 5. Right? I know that's a real kind of basic way of seeing it. But that's our hope and prayer that for every person when they connect to our community... Like when, as Why High kicks off here, our youth ministry, the kids would come from high schools that might know nothing about Scripture, know nothing about Jesus, literally. Say they're a minus 12, you know, a little bit, they're a little bit funky. Like that by the end of their t- tenure attending the youth ministry here, they would get up to a zero. You know, you know what? I'm in. I believe in God. You know, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. That all of our ministries, all of our endeavors would help people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, which then ultimately and finally leads us to what our strategy is. So we're talking about a heartbeat, a vision, a mission. Now, I know all the military people in the room are loving this talk. John, I don't come to church to hear this lame stuff. You know, I hear it all week. Hang with me. <laughs> Our strategy. So how do we go about this? By creating environments that, foster, that does three things. Foster intimacy with God, connection with insiders, influence with outsiders. And that's it. So, so what this also does, it takes the pressure off every single environment that we created the church of doing everything. I grew up in an era where Sundays was like the pinnacle of Christian everything. Everything had to happen on a Sunday, like everything in the Christian walk, like all of it. The whole spectrum of Christian practice and belief and traditions. If it didn't happen on a Sunday, something was, something was off there. Where I was like, shouldn't Jesus be in everything? In every day. So when we can be when you can break things down, it's like, well, maybe not every environment has to be about intimacy with God. Maybe this environment can literally be about, I don't know, connection with fellow believers and encouraging one another and learning from one another. Or maybe this particular ministry environment is literally about reaching outsiders, connecting with people who don't know God. And yes, this environment is purely for connecting with our Heavenly Father and nothing else, right? It's, it's whatever it might be. And this could be overly simplified, but that's kind of the idea. This is our strategy. So when we look at our different environments, for example, take Sundays. When Chloe and I first took on Suncoast, we looked at our Sundays then and what could this mean? And we realized for a lot of people in our communities, um, when they talk about faith or God or Jesus and all that stuff, generally speaking, Sundays, they're like, don't you Christians kind of like gather on Sundays? I guess we'll try it Sundays. So we're like, how can we leverage a Sunday environment for people who, who know nothing? How can it be an environment that not just Jesus followers can be encouraged in their faith and find connection with insiders and you know, can grow in their relationship with Jesus, but also people who don't know Jesus and people who don't know a thing about the Bible can grow in their faith too. So that became our dream for Sundays, that we could create environments that people who don't know the first thing about faith, where do they go? Come to our church. If you come to our church, it's going to meet you right where you're at. We don't dumb down the message. We don't water down the message. We just present it clearly. We've removed all the outsider language, like James was saying. Can we just not make it difficult for those returning to God? Can we just lose the Christian mumbo-jumbo and just talk frankly about how the message of Jesus impacts our everyday lives? And since we started doing that at Suncoast, man, every single Sunday our services are filled with people who don't come from a church background, but who are hungry for truth and who want Jesus. They're not looking for church. They're looking for Jesus. 
So I come to our church because we totally believe in helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus, which brings our challenge here to impact. That's what we're believing too, that this would be a church environment. Can you imagine when this building is too small to house all the people who are coming to know Christ, that would be known as the church that doesn't make it difficult for people who are turning into Christ, but makes it easy. That people have questions about faith. They're like, you know, where do I turn? Go to that church. In that church, they meet you right where you're at. No question is, you know, too crazy or risque. They're not going to look at you weird because of how you dress. You can ask your questions. There's no like spiritual hierarchy or you can't talk to the head of the church. There is too important. It's like, what? no, let's just not make it difficult. Can you imagine if we had that reputation of being that kind of church? And again, of being that kind of church that out of all things, we are known for being for Canberra. That when people talk about impact, they're like, out of all the things they do, and I, I don't know where every, everything they believe, but I just know that they are for this city, that they love this city. They want to make it better. And it's, it stems from their belief in Jesus. And to be honest, it doesn't just stem from our belief in Jesus. It stems from Jesus himself. Yeah. And the iconic, I guess, words of um, the third chapter in John, here's how I finished. This is, I think, how we see the heart of God being for humanity. We're like, we're for Canberra. This is from uh, John three, sixteen. I love how it starts with that word, for. <laughs> for God so loved who? The world. He wasn't angry at the world. He wasn't vilifying the world. He wasn't judging the world. He loved the world. He loved it. That's the God whom we worship. He loves humanity. The worst parts of humanity, the ugly parts, your part. He loves the world. He loved it so much that he gave the most precious. He gave Jesus. That whoever would believe, just believe. Talk about not making it difficult. She's like, all you have to do is believe. Just believe. You don't have to get a qualification. You don't have to join a club. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to have surgery. <laughs> Yell the dudes, woo! <laughs> Whoever. Who? Ever. These people. Just those people. No, no, no. Whoever. Whoever. Believes. In him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the next verse to me, funnily enough, is often my favorite. He kind of backs it up. He says, for God. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Before I say this last line, wouldn't it be a tragedy if Jesus' followers were known for doing that? If God didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn the world, why are so often churches known for being condemning? Just a thought, right? May we not be known as a church that condemns. Says so God didn't do that. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Yeah. And that mission isn't over. It's just begun. One day the mission will be complete. One day there will be a great reckoning and justice will flow like rivers. Jesus will reign supreme over all things. But until that moment, it's that now and not yet of the kingdom. We get to be for Canberra. We get to love our community. We get to put our faith into action. And I want to appreciate and thank those of you, again, who review, who have put your hand up to this. We have a great future. And as long as there is a prophetic vision here, we will not dwell carelessly. 
We will not perish. This community will flourish. I'm believing that your faith will flourish and that the gifts and the callings that your Heavenly Father has put in your life, you guys, you bless me so much. There's something incredible in both of your lives to lead and to love people and to influence people. And this, this is just the beginning of what God wants to do through both of you. And it's extraordinary. And I, even at, as teenagers giving up time in your week, most teenagers could be easily sleeping in Sunday morning. Mom, Dad, do I have to go in? In fact, you're here giving up your time to bless and serve others. Man, you are sowing into an incredible future for your life. And I God, God has something remarkable for your life. If Cass with you, when, I, when Cass was up, you can share with this later. I just saw on her just unbelievable, almost like untapped's the wrong word, but it's like untapped just influence in her life to con- connect with people, to help you know, shine the light of God into people's worlds. I see God bringing her specifically into dark places that are without hope that she would be. And she, I see her finding, and she can listen to this recording later, finding herself in places like, how do they get here? Like this just seems like a hopeless environment. God's like, I've got you here to be a light. And my, my prayer and my hope is that our commitment over the years to come out of everything, we will keep saying, because God is for the world, we are for Canberra. We're going to give, we're going to serve, we're going to pray, we're going to do community, we're going to remember Jesus. And when our time is done, we'll look back and say, of all the things I did, I followed the example of Christ and decided that I wouldn't be one to condemn the world, but I would serve the world and that the world would know Jesus through me. That's my prayer for us at the church. It's my prayer for you. So I'd love to pray for you. As uh, we close this morning, Heavenly Father, we, uh, man, where do we even begin to say thank you for being for us? We probably deserved a whole lot of condemnation, but mm-hmm. you gave us love instead, and it's changed our lives, and it's changing us still. Would you help us to be the kinds of people that don't just keep this to ourselves, but daily help us to be those who would pour out the same love that's you poured into us. It would be those who pour it into our communities, to our colleagues, genuinely our, our neighbourhoods, our own families and households. I thank you for each man and woman here that their life would overflow with the hope of eternity. And Lord, I pray over the future of this community here as we begin to spread our wings and launch new initiatives. God, we are asking for your amazing grace and your favour beyond what we could hope, dream or imagine to go before us. Lord, as we begin ministries into high schools that would see multitudes of teenagers finding Jesus Christ, that would kick against the tide of teenagehood and see young people rising up with incredible potential. As we engage with our universities and our Sunday night services, may the next generation of professionals be risen up with a great passion for eternity in their hearts. Lord, as we feed the homeless in this city, may many people without hope and who are destitute find the life of Christ. In the middle of all this, may our lives be enriched and encouraged through being filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. We hope it was helpful to you and practical for your life. Ultimately, we pray that this inspired you to consider taking a next step in your relationship with Jesus, whatever that may look like for you. If that's something you would like to do, we would encourage you to get in touch with us via the details in the podcast description. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.